Welcome back to Second and Short. It is Friday, December 8th, 2023. We've had a great week in the NFL. A lot of news coming out. A ton of signings in MLB. We've also got to talk about our top five second basemen. We've had Premier League matches throughout the week. And, of course, the final match day of the UCL group stage is coming up this week. And, uh, Luke, happy to have you here with me. Um, where is he? Let's see. He's on screen. Where is he at? Oh, no. Yeah! Yes! One fucking Soto, baby! Nobody's ready. At least, at least postseason birth. In cash, we trust. In cash, we fucking trust. Police them. And we got Juan Soto coming to the York. The Liberty. The pinstripes. I'm hyped up, Grayson. I couldn't be more pumped to do this episode with you. Oh, this is sad. You got, you got. That's all right. You got one guy. Trent Grisham. Yeah. Alex Verdugo. You got one. Okay. Verdugo's a Mother? good move. Verdugo's a good move. I, I can give you all that one. Verdugo's a good pickup. Soto's a good pickup. What just My headset's falling apart. There's too much hype. <laughs> My earpiece. Gotcha. Dude, these Astros have lasted me since like 2015. So shout out Astros. And shout out Juan Soto. Yeah. Because he's I home. Yeah. I, well, I wouldn't say he's home. home. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, last time I checked, listen, he's not from New York. There's a lot of party pooping going on, and it's not from me. Whatever. Y'all can just be satisfied with wild card, probably losing in the wild card. Better than last season. Yeah, I guess. Better than last season. We got Yamamoto. We're meeting with him. Uh, okay, oh, dude, well, it's well, over. Don't say we got Yamamoto. You're talking to him. Everybody is. <laughs> You you don't just meet the Steinbrenners and not play for the Yankees because they're going to kill your family. They're in Japan as well. That doesn't matter. People have got well, every single team that wants them has people in Japan right now talking to them. Not like the Yankees do. All right, whatever. You can believe whatever you'd like, but I'm, I am like 90% sure he's going to the Mets. Yeah. All right, we'll see when the time comes. But let's go ahead and talk about some of the other MLB moves before we get into anything. Obviously, the Juan Soto <laughs> trade is huge. The Yankees get Juan Soto and Trent Grisham. The Padres, in return, get Johnny Brito, Kyle Higashioka, Michael King, Randy Vazquez. I think Drew Thorpe was another one. I think there's one more. can't remember who it was. Shout out Higgy, though. Been in the organization since, like, 2009. I didn't even realize that until, like, a couple days ago. Yeah, he's been there quite a while. Yep. But, yeah, look, it's it's a huge move. I I was very – it was very fun to follow it along on Twitter because of winter meetings going on in Nashville right now. You have, like, all of the media members there. You have all of the team officials there. All the GMs, all of them are there at the winter meetings. So, like – 
you have like media officials like tweeting about when teams front offices are going to get dinner and like they're like okay well a deal could be getting done i saw you know i think one of the guys was tweeting about how like he saw the padres people talking to these people and then he tweeted about the padres going to get dinner and that a deal would be done by the end of dinner and then i guess dinner was over and 11 p.m. or so comes around and Juan Soto's a Yankee. It's wild. Yeah. They they took him to Geno's and boom, he's a Yankee. Okay. Enough. Yeah, we're not doing that one. That's not sticking. <laughs> that one's not going to stick. I'm actually going to talk like that the rest of the episode. So. <laughs> if you do, I'll, I'm muting your mic and I'll just take this one. <laughs> <laughs> I got my I did, I got my Pedialyte. What a great day. How about, you know what? I, I know we're talking about MLB right now, but like I I hope that every college student that listens is having a good time with their finals too. I'm actually I'm growing the finals beard. Trying to look as rough as possible. You know, ma- match how it's been. It it's been it's been rough and I hope it's going well for everybody else. Yeah. I'm I'm just about wrapped up, but let's keep talking about baseball. Um Craig Kimbrell signed a one-year deal with the Orioles. That one got overshadowed um, by the Soto move. Love that pickup. That's a nasty pickup. That's a crazy bullpen, too. But also, that kind of tells me they're out for Josh Hader. So, don't have to worry about that. Um, That's another team out. Um, But the biggest move that got overshadowed by Juan Soto is that Eduardo Rodriguez signed a four-year deal with the D-backs. And that is a fantastic move. He has been so good, and he's just kind of been wasting away in Detroit the last couple of years. He was pretty good, pretty important for the Red Sox for years. Like, this is a great pitcher. To add that to this Diamondbacks rotation is huge. But yeah, major. Then, it's cool to see the teams, you know, that made the World Series not just kind of lying down with the roster they have. Because, yeah. you know, I, there definitely are some improvements to be made in that D-backs team, um, despite them going to the World Series. And that's going to help them out tremendously. Big yeah, time. I definitely agree. Uh, but the one that came through this morning, Thursday morning, Jimer Candelario, three-year deal with the Reds. Once again, a pickup that I love. Colin actually predicted that move a couple of weeks ago on the podcast that he liked Jaime Candelario to go to the Reds. I love it because, like, they have so much infield talent, and considering that Candelario can kind of move around a lot, he can just get in the lineup at multiple different positions and play them at a great, you know, a high level. Yep. So that's going to be a a fun one to watch as well. And then, like, the Braves picked up Angel Perdomo today. Not like a you know needle mover or anything, but a, a solid pickup that I'm happy about. But um, yeah, it's kind of all the MLB moves that have really gone down recently that I can think of. Um, oh, Verdugo, duh. Um, yeah, Alex Verdugo was traded to the Yankees. Yeah, um, there's actually only him, him and one other Mexican player have played both for the Red Sox and the Yankees, and I can't remember the other guy's name. But there's only two of them. In history. Interesting. Kind of interesting, yeah. Um, I just totally forgot that because the so the Jared Kellenick trade came out right after me and Colin got done recording on Sunday. So I forgot we didn't talk about that. Talk about that one too. 
Braves got Evan White, Jared Kelenic, and Marco Gonzalez from the Mariners for Jackson Kowar and Cole Phillips, I believe was the minor leaguer's name. Um, This was awesome. Uh, I'm so glad we got Kelenic in. He's going to be the left fielder 100% uh, come opening day. Evan White is going to play in the minors, see what he can do. He's a first baseman, super good player. And then Marco Gonzalez, we already flipped for cash from the Pirates. So that one also makes sense to me. I When I started looking at Marco's numbers and like realized how much of a drop-off he's had the last couple of years, I assumed he got thrown in for the Mariners to save some money and for us to get money out of. So that one definitely made sense to me. Definitely some moves to be desired still for the Braves in this offseason. But uh, I'm happy where we stand right now. There. All right. Well, I'm happier than you are. I'm sure you are at the moment. Uh, just wait till they actually start playing baseball. We're going to wait. <laughs> We're going to see. Okay. I just I just want to remind you of the recent history of the Yankees and how that's going. <laughs> hey, man, I'm looking out for you. I don't want you to have ridiculously high expectations. I... Yeah, I, I, okay. Look, you're going to go into this season thinking that you guys are going to win 95-plus games. I could see 95. Yeah, come on. No. I could see 95. I don't know about a postseason run, but I can see 95 wins, I think. No. I mean, you know, another side, too, is I, I like how aggressive we're being because the rest of the division got so much better than we did. Yeah. And, I mean, the Yankees are having to play catch-up right now. You you can't at least admire the fact that we are being aggressive when we have to be aggressive. We're not just lying down. Agreed. Yeah. I can get along with that. That's that's. I think that's where a lot of my hype is coming from. Not not so much as what it's going to mean for us next season. It just – I like I like seeing us try in the offseason. Bring right. back the evil empire. Fair enough. Well, let's get into – NFL week 14 lots to talk about here uh I think only two teams on by this week so a whole lot of games and um let's start off Buccaneers versus Falcons it's gonna be interesting our defense has been out of this world over the past couple of weeks and as long as we don't make this game Desmond Ritter's problem we'll be (laughs) totally fine yeah no, no, for sure. And I mean, the defense did a good job of that last week is they, they, they carried Desmond Ritter, which, which was good to see. And that's kind of what got them to win. Yeah. And with how the Buccaneers have been playing, I'm really not too worried about them. Like they keep just like getting a one-off win and then losing a bunch of games. They beat the Panthers last week, barely. Like it took a go ahead touchdown by Mike Evans to beat the Panthers, uh, and now coming into this week, like we saw how this game went the last time. It was close, of course. It's the Falcons. But I think when it comes down to it, the only thing that needs to change for us to be successful is just don't let Mike Evans just dominate your secondary. Like that's what happened. AJ Terrell was getting was in a mental torture chamber with Mike Evans all day <laughs> and simply just cannot have that happen this week. 
No, and I mean the Falcons got guys now like Jesse Bates. I think he's on two picks and uh yeah, two picks in a row for him in back-to-back weeks and honestly with the way that Baker's been playing, I think with the Falcons defense and on top of how Baker's been playing, I think Jesse Bates could have three in a row this week. Yeah, he's got uh he's tied for third, I believe, or just third himself in interceptions this year with five interceptions. I no, I don't it's honestly egregious the fact that like nobody is talking about how good of a season Jesse Bates is having with Atlanta. Yeah, I agree. And he he's been absolutely fantastic. Literally one of the best offseason moves in all of the NFL in my opinion. No one's talking about it. I definitely agree. Uh, let's get into our score predictions though for this one. I'm going to assume it stays pretty low. Uh but I think we'll give up a touchdown maybe two. Uh, I think we win this one 17-10. I'm going to go 17-14, Atlanta. Okay. Our next game, though, Lions-Bears. I love this matchup. After what we saw from this matchup earlier in the year, we saw (laughs) one of Jared Goff's worst games of the season. The Bears had this one. The Lions crawled back in. They they just played better football in the second half. But I think we're going to see something pretty similar. This time around, this time it's in Chicago and for the lions, it's just going to come down to, can they run the ball efficiently like they did against the bears? Cause I think between Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery, both of them were over like four and a half yards per carry. I think David Montgomery possibly in the fives or sixes on yards per carry. And then Jesus. when it came down to that second half after golf had thrown all the picks, it was all consistent passing for short yardage. That's just a good way to move up the field. You don't have to have the big plays. You don't need, you know, these super tight windows over the middle. It's just about getting yards, uh, especially when you're down. So they go down early. I certainly see them going for that. But either way, they know exactly what they need to do this time around. And, you know, the Lions have kind of been a team that I I would say has been wavering a little bit. You know, you had that close game recently with the Bears. Um and then, you know, somehow Jared Goff, no interceptions, but they kept a close game with the Saints. And I, I don't think the Lions are necessarily in trouble, but they're they're just making a lot of games close that shouldn't be recently. And and division rivals, uh in division divisional games, damn, that was that was really hard for me to get through. And in divisional games, that's something that you're gonna have to worry about. You know, you can't let a divisional opponent have any ounce of hope in this game. And the Lions have been given hope to all the teams they've been playing recently. So I, the Bears are. Oh, you froze. Sorry, you froze for a second. What did I? Uh, oh, my bad. What did I forget? You said you were about to say somebody is going to come out on top, I believe. And I didn't quite get it. But yeah, the Lions, the Lions are going to come out on top, but it's going to be a close game. All right. Yeah, I think. When it comes to, like, the Bears, like, the way to win this game is just kind of let Justin Fields freestyle. Like, just let him kind of do his thing. Because, like, it seems like with their game plan some weeks, especially the weeks when they get just super limited on offense, is when they just kind of forget that he is the X factor on this team. Like, he makes things happen for this team in the passing game, in the running game. And sometimes they kind of box him off, and it doesn't seem like they like it either. Like, it doesn't seem like the team wants that either. And I think that's the best way for them to win is just kind of let Justin Fields do his thing. Maybe it ends up bad. 
who cares? You're four and eight. You want to, you know, give yourself every chance to beat a division rival. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. Just echoing what you said, Justin Fields just needs to uh, freestyle. Um, get get the rushing yards because they don't really have a run game right now. Um, and get it to your weapons. You know, you have DJ Moore, and I don't want anybody to forget about Cole Komet, too. And Roshan Johnson last week against the Vikings, he didn't have a good game on the ground, but, you know, he seems to be a vertical threat, though, for the Bears. So just find your weapons. You don't have to do everything in chunks. Um, but definitely let, let DJ Moore down the field a couple times in this game, and you might, you might have a chance against the Lions. All right, final score prediction. Uh... I'm going to go Lions 24, Chicago 16. All right. I'm going to go Lions 31, Bears 24. All right. Like next it. game, Colts, Bengals. And after what we saw from the Bengals the other night, maybe Jake Browning is good enough to win some football games. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. Like they they were doing crazy shit. Like they should not have beat the Jaguars. I think going no. into that game, they should not have won. But Jake Browning threw the ball thirty seven times, thirty two completions, three hundred fifty four yards, a super long touchdown to Jamar Chase, and Joe Mixon just kind of got it done for him in the running game. And Jake Browning ran one in himself. Like this was genuinely best this Bengals offense can look without Joe Burrow and it's just as good as it could look with him I I was about to say this is uh, I would say um I would go as far as to say that this is their best offensive performance all year long yeah I agree even with Burrow helping um but you know it, it was sucky to see Trevor go down um of course I I need the Bengals to just lose every game for really the rest of time um but they, I mean, they had to grind this one out, and they got it done. C.J. Beathard came in, didn't really even play that bad. It's just the Bengals just had that edge. You yeah. know, after after Trevor went down, they they definitely took advantage. Yeah, it, it was uh, it was nice to see that team kind of rally in that second half because, like, you go into the half, you're tied 14-14. Jacksonville comes out, has a good third quarter, takes a touchdown lead into the fourth. Then you just see the Bengals fight through it. And uh, and get the win. It, it was huge, and I think it was huge for Jake Browning's confidence going forward. Yeah. Um. And, and on the other side, you know, I, I know we're not talking about the Titans, but just if if you throw a pick, or no, if you catch a pick against Will Levis, just watch the fuck out. Yeah. Um. Because he's coming. <laughs> he's gonna get you. <laughs> yeah. We can definitely but, uh, talk about him no, later. But yeah, the Colts like, definitely the Colts have certainly can win this game. They're great on the road this year. I don't think people are really thinking about that when you think about the Colts right now, but they're five and one on the road. Um, they've won their last four games. Like this is a hot team right now. And considering they're going up against a, a weekend Cincinnati Bengals team, they've definitely got a chance in this one. Uh, of course. Yeah. Even, um, even without Jonathan Taylor, I would say, um, you know, he's come back and been great for the Colts, but Zach Moss has been able to pick up the load when he's not there, which has been quite often this season. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big Zach Moss guy, not, not fantasy purposes. Cause I, I have Jonathan Taylor, but, um, you know, for analytical purposes, I really like Zach Moss. He's a great running back too. Yeah, he, he is. And he's played super well 
uh, throughout this season, way higher than anybody probably expected him to play. Um, so he's definitely one to look at against the Bengals here. I think it's going to be a close one, though. Uh, what do you think in score-wise? Um, I'm going to go Colts. Uh, Colts 28, Bengals 24. Okay, I'm going to go Bengals 27, Colts 23. Yeah. Okay, I like it. Yeah, I'm going with that. All right, Jaguars-Browns, the next game. Trevor Lawrence probably not playing in this one. He didn't practice Wednesday. Um, C.J. Beathard was limited in practice, uh, I guess some shoulder issues, but I got a feeling he's going to be the starter on Sunday. I don't think Trevor's going to bounce back quite fast enough, but the Jaguars are trying to hold on to an undefeated record on the road this season in Cleveland is not going to be easy. Cleveland five and one at home, regardless of all of these injuries that have happened this season. Yeah. And, uh, honestly against the Rams, Flacco didn't look that bad. Yeah. Um, Gave him the win, or no, well, he didn't give him the win. No. He gave him a good game. Um, He did throw a pick, but Matthew Stafford's just kind of been hot um here recently. You know, he, he came back from injury earlier in the season, didn't really look that great, and it looks like he's kind of finding his stride. And, you know, maybe that's kind of attributed to how Kyron Williams has been playing too. Um, But anyway, yeah, back to the Browns. <laughs> back to the Browns. Um, still have a good defense. They've lost two in a row. Um, going up against a probably not their starting quarterback. I I, I don't think Trevor's going to come back anytime soon. He's probably going to miss a couple weeks. Um, but yeah, it's been tough. They they really offensively they haven't been able to really get it to their weapons anymore. I've noticed like Amari Cooper's kind of been down production wise, which is not always good to see. Um, really expected Kareem Hunt to be better. Um, and Jerome Ford is just kind of hit or miss. So I, I have a feeling that the Jags will probably still take this one, but you know, as you and I both know, you can't mess around with the Browns defense and yeah. with Trevor being out, it almost seems like the perfect storm to upset the Jaguars. I agree. Um, so when it comes to my prediction, I'm going to, I'm going to ride with the Browns, uh, but it's not going to be high scoring. That's for sure. Uh, I'm going to go Browns 17. Jaguars 14. I'm going to go Browns 20, Jaguars 13. Okay. Our next game, yep. divisional matchup. Not a good one. Panthers Saints. My only note for this one, uh gross. Is the only thing I wrote down for this one. Just gross. I hate this matchup. Yeah, um so much. This one's going to be tough, but you know what? It's still important for the Saints. They're they're still in a playoff spot, and technically the Panthers are <laughs> well, too. Actually, neither um, of them. Actually, no. The Panthers got eliminated. Um, that one's official. Okay, I think it was maybe last weekend they weren't yeah. eliminated yeah. yet. But um, I, I mean, the Saints are right there with the Falcons, though. Same record as Tampa. Um, I mean, it's still wide open between those three teams. Probably Atlanta's the better one, but you know, this is a, a very important divisional game for the Saints, though. Definitely. And look, it's not going to be hard to win. Like the Pan the Panthers are one and eleven. They're zero and seven on the road. The Saints, regardless of the fact that I'm sure Derek Carr is probably going to start, he's probably going to get hurt in the second half. Jameis Winston's going to come in. Taysom Hill's going to throw some touchdowns or something. Despite all of the <laughs> madness that is going to happen, 
they can beat the Panthers. Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, there there's no denying that the Saints still have weapons. Um, one of those not being Derek Carr, though. I yeah, dude, I'm so over Derek Carr. Like, I I honestly would go as far as to say I wish he was never in the NFL. <laughs> I, I don't know, I don't know a quarterback that has been so just mediocre his entire career, and gets paid just a fuck ton of money. Yeah, what's, what's I mean that we're looking at a second string quarterback. It's like when you look at this season in particular, like he's been really bad. Like I I don't yeah. I don't think you can like go either way. Like he's at you know he still hasn't hit three thousand yards, which. There's plenty of guys that haven't, but for a guy like him getting paid the money he is, probably should be there. And then he's got 11 touchdowns, six interceptions. That is horrible. Yeah. Bad. Yeah, it is is weird. and Real bad. I'm looking at the injured list right now. He was limited in practice Holy on shit. Wednesday and Thursday, so today. Um, and he has three injuries, uh, concussion, rib, and right shoulder. <laughs> like this guy doing what playing yeah. city football. No, he just like gets sacked and then the game is over for him. <laughs> I swear to yeah. God, he only was sacked twice like against uh, Detroit. Popsicle, uh, popsicle sticks. <laughs> he's a, he's a house of cards. And I mean, it's not like he was going to a team, you know, without weapons. I, I think you and I even talked about it preseason. Derek Carr has always had weapons his yep. entire career. And, you know, th- this is this is what we have, though. It's just a mediocre quarterback. Um, but, I mean, it, it, it really doesn't matter because they're still playing the Panthers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you, you still have um, Alvin Kamara. Chris Olave is going to catch some of the shitty passes from Derek Carr. Um, yep. So I'm sure you'll be fine. Yeah, you think the Saints are in, a, in the market for a quarterback this year? Nah, they're they're paying him too much to give up. Yeah, that's true. That's you don't issue. have a second string getting paid like him. And how about I didn't I didn't even realize this. I don't know if you did. Jimmy Graham, shout out Jimmy Graham. He caught a touchdown pass against the Lions. I didn't even realize it. He's still going strong. He actually has two really? touchdowns this season. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, it's crazy. One reception, six-yard touchdown yeah. against the Lions. I assumed he was just on some, like, pregame coverage. <laughs> I just <laughs> yeah. assumed he was on the like, NFL Network's pregame coverage, and I just never really saw him. Ah, dude, he's out there, 37 years old. Hell yeah, way to go. I fuck with you. I love program. it. Um, Me too. All right, uh, score prediction. I'm, well, um... God. 21 7 Saints. Uh, I'm going to go 20 to 10 Saints. Yeah. All right. All right. Texans, Jets. Zach Wilson back starting at quarterback um, because I guess everybody hurt his feelings. He needed a two week break. Um, look, the Jets are just. Man, I don't know. I don't even know what to say about the Jets right now because, like, you're four and eight, and like you, you kind of have a chance to do something with this season. Like, there's what 
Five games left. You've lost five straight. I think they're just kind of waiting to figure out something with Rodgers. Yeah, it definitely sounds about right. Um, Man, we were both so high on them at the beginning of the season. You can't predict Aaron Rodgers tearing his Achilles in the first game. No, it's just, it's crazy to just see how far they've, you know, gone in the wrong direction. Um, Of course, you know, due to injury um, of Aaron Rodgers, but I mean, the defense is there. Um, I don't know if it's really saying a lot to hold Atlanta to 13, but I mean, they've been, they've had a lot of low scoring games uh, for the other team offensively. Um, It's weird because like all their grant, all their games just seem like a grind. Yeah. Like they're not moving the ball, but the other team's not moving the ball. And, you know, sometimes that's going to get you wins. And maybe, you know, who knows, Grayson, if they hang on long enough for Rodgers to come back. I mean, I mean, who knows? They, but they have they're, they're going to be one of those. They have to win this week if they want Rodgers. To yes, exactly. Um, but, you know, if best case scenario, if you go into the playoffs or, or if you're, you know, finish the season nine and eight, you're kind of then relying on other teams still to lose. You're not really in control of your own destiny at that point. So. It's really it's even if they went out, it's all in the hands of fate. Yeah, because they they so. almost are eliminated from winning the division. The Dolphins just need to win this week. That'll eliminate the uh, the Jets from winning the division. So I don't know, man. We'll see. Like with the Jets, it's so hard to tell because like Zach Wilson could come out and play like he did. Uh, like against the Chiefs or against the Eagles. Like he played well. And yeah. he could also come out and throw three picks. There's really no telling. But on the Texans side, which is the side we really should be talking about, CJ Stroud <laughs> is just insane still. <laughs> 3,500 yep. yards, 20 touchdowns, five interceptions, and he's a rookie. And then, unfortunately, Tank Dell goes down, fractured fibula, Done for the season last week. Mm. Luckily for the Texans, though, they have a wealth of receivers. Like, they're going to be fine. They still have, obviously, Nico Collins, who's been absurd this year. I think Dalton Schultz is going to be back from injury this week, so he'll be back in the lineup. You still got Noah Brown, who's had some great games this season. You've got John Mechie on that team, a good young option. Um there's multiple other guys, too, that I can't even think of right now. Uh, Robert Woods is on this team as well. So, like, you, you're going to be fine as long as oh yeah the rest of the guys stay healthy. But with C.J. Stroud, man, like, look, the Jets have struggled when they play the highest-powered offenses, and the Texans are one of the highest-powered offenses right now. They gave up 32 points to the Bills. They gave up 34 points to the Dolphins. And they gave up, you know, earlier in the season, only gave up 14 to the Eagles. But if we're looking at the recent trends, the Texans should wipe the floor with the Jets. Oh, yeah. Um, And Nico Collins had the biggest fucking you're in good hands game yeah. ever last week. I. It, <laughs> Nico Collins almost received for 200 yards. Just listen to that sentence. Beginning of the season, who is Nico Collins? <laughs> 200 yards? Damn. 
that's a that's a massive game. Uh, and CJ Stroud and the Texans are going to be in great hands offensively. Um, I would almost say that Devin Singletary should be your new starter going forward, or at least get most of the reps. Yeah. Um, still, I mean, even you know, with less carries and less yards, he still probably was going to have a better game than Damon Pierce if he got had more carries. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm actually I'm, I I kind of want to see more Devin Singletary moving forward, but I know Damon Pierce is their guy. Um, I just think that Devin Singletary is better this season. Yeah, he is for sure. Uh, but. Let's get a score prediction for this one. I don't think it's going to be that like high scoring uh, because the Jets' defense is still very good. Um, but also the Jets are just simply not going to score a lot of points. So I, yep. I'm i going to go Texans, Texans 21, Jets 7. Texans 21, Jets 10. I'm going to give them an extra field goal. Okay. Let's get into the next one. Rams, Ravens. And I love this matchup. I do. The Rams are pretty hot right now. They seem to have figured something out since Kyron Williams has come back. Um, He is a dog in the second half. Like, it's ridiculous. He did nothing in the first half last week. Comes out in the second half. I think he had like 88 rushing yards. He had a touchdown. He had some receiving, like a bunch of stuff in the receiving game. He's insane. But against the Ravens, you've got to get things going early. You can't wait on the second half to get things started if you're the Rams because by then you might be down 21 to zero. Yeah, no, exactly. The Ravens are a team that you got to play. Um, you got to play them the entire game. There, there's no off plays with Baltimore. Um, I mean, Baltimore is just a combination of a, you know, I don't want to say an unbeatable offense, but they they can go in a lot of different directions if one thing's not working yep. in Baltimore. And I think that's probably the most important thing. And then, you know, their defense, we've harped on all year long. Um, so I, I think, you know, with Matthew Stafford's injury issues, I think this could be a tough game for him. You know, he, he's going to have to be durable when you play against AFC North teams. Um but on the other hand, you know, if Kyron Williams is cooking, that's going to open up the pass game for Matthew Stafford. So I, I like your point of, you know, this could be a sneakily good game because the Rams are hot now that Kyron Williams is back. Um, and it's taken so much pressure off of Kyron Willi- or uh, off of Matthew Stafford. Um, and yeah, if the if they play their cards right, the Rams can be in this game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they definitely can. But to me, this Ravens offense does such a good job of avoiding the defense's best players. Todd Munkin this season, his first year as their OC, has done a great job of mixing up the approach depending on the you know what they're going to see on the other side of the field. There's some days where they're just trying to get down the field any means possible and run it in with Gus Edwards. Other weeks, you find Zay Flowers and Odell as much as possible for long yards or running across the middle. And then sometimes you just let Lamar do his thing. I think this Rams defense is the kind of defense where Todd Munkin lets Lamar just do his thing. Because the guy to avoid, obviously, is Aaron Donald. If you let Lamar play his game, he's going to roll out. He's going to avoid Donald. That's his smartest play there. But he can also stretch things out with his legs. He's got receivers that can move around the field that are small, 
fast. He's got big physical receivers as well. I know he doesn't have Mark Andrews, but Isaiah likely is a very good tight end. And yeah, it just seems like they have enough offensive weapons in every single position. They're going to make something happen no matter what. Yeah, no, definitely. No matter who they're playing, they're going to make something happen for sure. So because I like this offense so much right now, I got to stick with the Ravens. Um, and I think we see a similar thing. I think the Rams play it, cl- they, you know, they make it closer in the second half, but ultimately it's not enough. I'm going to go Ravens 31, Rams 28. Yeah, I was thinking the same exact thing. All right. I'm glad. Yep. We're in agreement there. But let's get to the sure. next game because I simply have no read. Vikings Raiders. <laughs> I think it is simply impossible to make a correct prediction about this game. <laughs> these are Yeah, moving into the 4 o'clock slate. Yeah, both of these games are entirely, or sorry, both of these teams are entirely unpredictable. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I'm right there with you. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I don't really know what to say either. I, I, I really, I, I'm lost here. Because it, it seemed like when, you know, Dobbs took over, they were just like completely rejuvenated. It wasn't that Kirk Cousins offense that we're used to seeing that's, you know, on some days unbeatable. It, it, it was a different offense. They, they were grinding. They, they were, they, they had the mentality that they were unstoppable, if yeah. that makes sense, is, is kind of how they were playing. But then, you know, you have games like against Chicago last week where Dobbs is going to throw four picks and you're, you're definitely not going to win the game. Um, and I don't even know with the Raiders, it's kind of similar. Like yeah. Aiden O'Connell is kind of proving to be a decent backup. Maybe not the backup to win you games, but a serviceable backup. Um, I, I'm honestly just going to go ahead and say it since I don't really have much about, you know, about this game. But I think if Josh Jacobs is on, the Vikings are going to lose. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think the Raiders do have like some players that can just go off. Obviously, Josh Jacobs being one of them, but Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, those kind of guys can really make an impact. With the Vikings, it's just so many question marks. Like, I don't know what is going to come out of this team ever. And, look, Dobbs could look like he did in the first couple games. He could look like he did in the last one. There's really no telling. I'm going to ride with Minnesota just because I trust them more all around than the Raiders, just for more players to play well at the same time. So I'm going to take the Vikings Vikings 20, Raiders 17. Well, uh, there there might be a factor that I've just noticed that could cancel out my Josh Jacobs prediction, and that's Justin Jefferson is set to return this week. Yeah, I was um, thinking about that. I couldn't remember if he was or wasn't. I was just going to assume he was and not tell you. Yeah, well, I <laughs> I wanted to be right. <laughs> this is um Yeah, that kind of puts a hole in what I was uh, what I was trying to say earlier. I, I think even if Josh Jacobs is on, the Vikings still are probably going to win with Jetta's being back. But, you know, it's going to be interesting. We don't know what Jefferson's going to look like with Josh Dobbs. True. I I think that honestly, so, bringing in Justin Jefferson, they need to kind of keep this idea of like letting Dobbs kind of do his thing and and like find other people because it wasn't just one receiver getting the ball every time like 
Kirk and Justin Jefferson's connection. This was Josh Dobbs finding Jordan Addison, finding KJ Osborne, finding TJ Hawkinson, like all guys all over the field getting passes from Josh Dobbs, and Josh Dobbs doing it with his legs too. They can't just totally switch everything on him just because Justin Jefferson is coming back into this team. No, you're definitely right, but Justin Jefferson is the kind of guy that, you know, he definitely needs more of the targets. And of course. What, what more of the targets could look like is him just ending up, just sucking up the entire offense, and then you win the game. Yeah, it could. But but who knows? Who knows? Um, I, I'm going to rock with Minnesota. The, the return of Justin Jefferson, I think it's set for them. It, it sounds awesome. They're four and two away. Minnesota 21, Vegas 14. Okay. Well, let's get into the next one. Seahawks 49ers in San Francisco. The 49ers are a 10.5-point favorite after last week's huge victory over the Eagles, 42-19. to They played the Seahawks two weeks ago on Thanksgiving Day, and they won 34, or th- sorry, 31-13. The 49ers are unstoppable right now. Defense, offense, both clicking at the same time. You got the MVP favorite, Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy on this team. You have, honestly, one of the best running backs of the last, what, 10 years? Christian McCaffrey. And just such a versatile and ready to play some big games, Debo Samuel. He looks unlike he has ever looked in the past. Like, that performance against the Eagles last week simply put the best performance of his career. No doubt about it. And then, of course, Brandon I think there's some debate. I don't know. That that game was actually absurd for Debo. Didn't didn't he go crazy in the, the wild card game last year, Seahawks 49ers? Maybe. I want to say he had a big game. But, I mean, this one, you know... Big statement performance, too, yeah. especially being over the Eagles, for sure. Um, yeah. But, you know, on the other end, I want to I wanna give my flowers to the Seahawks a little bit because when their offense is on, it's on. Um, you know, you and Colin kind of touched on it. They, they were keeping up with the Cowboys. They, I mean, they truly were. They were slinging the ball. Uh, Gino looks great. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, um, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic draft, uh, draft pick this year. Uh, and I didn't really expect it, you know, with them having Kenneth Walker, but – I don't know. They they must have looked into the future or something because they knew <laughs> they, they knew that Zach Charbonnet was going to get some uh, get some reps in. And yeah, it, it's awesome to see Jackson Smith and Jigba get more involved. He was super involved against the Cowboys and DK Metcalf, man. One one of the best performances of his career, you Definitely. know, talking about career performances. Um, But the 49ers, if there's anybody that owns the Seahawks, it's the 49ers. And I, I think that. You know, despite how they looked last week against Dallas, it might be another two to three possession game against the 49ers. Yeah, I I think so as well. Like, they just, it's not like they're just a second half team. You know, it's nothing like that. Literally, they are primed to explode as soon as the the kickoff happens. It's, It's ridiculous how good this offense can be for the full hour-long game, all 60 minutes, whether it's on special teams, on defense, on offense, 
they can f- literally dominate the entire game. Like this game went yep. into the second quarter, six zero Eagles. And in the first quarter, Brock Purdy looked sloppy. Like that. Turned it around 14, 14, 14 in the next three quarters. Actually yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. So ridiculous. I got a feeling the 49ers pop off again. Maybe not for quite as many points. Um, but I'm going to go 49ers 31, Seahawks 21. I, I think with Wait, did you did you just predict a forty score? What? Did you just predict a score in the forties? Did I say forty one? I think you said forty one. Thirty one. Okay, maybe I misheard you. Um, well, I, I was only asking that because I'm actually going to go with another score in the forties. I think the Forty ers are going to match their scoring total of last week because, you know, I like the way the Seahawks looked against the Cowboys, and I think the Seahawks are going to force them into a little bit of a shootout. It's not going to be a close game shootout. It's going to be Seahawks get down a lot early. And then they're having to play really, really aggressive to catch back up. I'm going to go like 42-21. Okay. 49ers. All right. Well, our next game in a loaded 4 o'clock slate, Bills Chiefs. Honestly, might be just as good of a game. There's a lot riding on this game for both teams. The Bills sit at six and six, and they need to win some damn games, especially on the road, considering they're one and four away from home this year. And then the Chiefs got to figure something out because they just lost to the Packers. Yep, like Jordan Love and that just was had a horrible. career day against the Packers, <laughs> or sorry, the Chiefs. That's insane, yep. but it's incredible, and it, and it's very fitting because that was his debut. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's actually kind of cool. But I, I'd i like to think the Chiefs are going to be in, like, bounce-back mode. You lose a, a game to a team you should not have lost to. You come up the next week, you want to win the game. I don't know if they can. There's There is genuine flaws all around for the Chiefs. And I think people are just now starting yeah. to see them a lot more. Yeah, for sure. They they definitely um, th- this Chiefs team is uh, is beatable. They they definitely yeah. can struggle. And with the week that the Bills are coming off of, you know, they're coming off of that tough loss to Philly. I like the energy that they're playing with. They they um, they're playing with a team that has some, or they're playing like a team that needs to be urgent as far as like making it to the playoffs, being at six and six. So. I'm honestly, I'm going to go like 38-31. I'm taking the Buffalo Bills, Grayson, in this game. I think, you know, with the history and with this, just the Chiefs just look a little bit, you know, shaky. I I think it's now, it's time for Josh Allen to beat the Chiefs, and it's going to be this weekend. Okay. Yeah, man, one and four on the road just scares me, considering they're going to Arrowhead. It is just, it's a hard place to play, That is true. Like, it is. I know the Chiefs are four and two, both on the road and at home this season. But something about it, just ah oh man, I don't know. I, I want to go with the Bills, but I, I think I got to stick with the Chiefs in a close one. All right, I'm gonna go Chiefs twenty eight 
Bills 27. I like it. Did you have a final score for you? I didn't I don't remember if you said anything. Yeah, 38-31 okay. Bills. Got it. Uh all right. That's a lot of points for the Bills. 38. They put up 34 against Philly. Fair enough. All right. Let's get into the next game to close out this insane four o'clock slate. Broncos Chargers. Also a good matchup. The Chargers yeah, suck. I... Is that can I say that and not get scolded? The Chargers suck? No. Okay. Cool. They suck. Yeah, okay. They uh, let's be honest. This should be four straight losses. They scored six points and won a football game last week. I'm not going to say their defense played well because the Patriots' offense is abysmal. So I don't even think that should count as a shutout anything. The Chargers shouldn't even allow be allowed to put that in the win column. They can, and it puts them at 5-7. and seven. They're coming up against a Broncos team that has been very good. It was a hard, hard game last week, but they were coming off of a five-game win streak. They lose in a close one to the Texans. This is the game to win for the Broncos. Put them at a, above 500. It, it will be huge if they can win this game, and I, I think they can. I, I just don't trust the Chargers' offense to be efficient, and I don't trust their defense to get the right stops that they need to to win a game. Yeah, I mean, look, for Denver, if Russ doesn't throw three picks, you might have a different game. Oh, yeah. Honestly. Um, and, I mean, what what is Russell Wilson doing still rushing for 10 carries, 44 yards, and a touchdown? Dude, they I mean, absolutely amazing. They love the read option right now with Russ. Yeah, and I, I like it, too. And it's honestly, like, as much as I hate Russell Wilson, it, it still – cleanses my childhood to see him you know still be able to play well yeah and i mean this broncos team i i really don't think that texans loss does anything to their mindset they're they're gonna come out as hungry as they were in that five game win streak um against the chargers because i mean the chargers are a beatable team if you're only gonna put up six points against the patriots boy you, you i mean you're in for a treat with denver's defense and you know the Patriots' defense is still good. Uh, a lot of people forget about that. There's still some guys on that defense, but come on, man. I mean, that team is in shambles. You you can't put up more than six? Don't even score a touchdown? Eckler, 14 carries for 18 yards? Oh, man. Eckler's dumb, dude. If he wanted to get paid, he should have just sat out the whole go. season. <laughs> Gotta go with you yeah. this year. I, I honestly... <laughs> Literally went from loving Austin Eckler to him just being like a player that annoys me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I hate watching him play. Um, but you know, with that being said, I, I think Denver is going to come out strong. Um, they love spreading the ball around since they don't really have good receivers, and I, I think that's a great idea. Um, I like Cortland Sutton, but I wouldn't really necessarily say that he's good. Um, yeah, the Chargers are just going to get slapped here. I, I'm going to go like 27 to 13. Okay, uh, I'm going to go. Yep. Broncos, 24, Chargers, 12. I like it. All right. This is this is the game. Sunday Night Football right here. Ooh. This is the one. Eagles, Cowboys. Eagles, Prime time. 10 and 2. Cowboys, 9 and 3. Trying to make my preseason prediction come true. 
trying so oh, hard. Oh, dude. I am. Y- y'all have no idea. Look, I, I just took all my finals. My dad's a Cowboys fan. I grew up watching Sunday Night Football, Cowboys, all the time with my dad. And even as a Steelers fan, I just can't bring myself to dislike the Cowboys. I'm just happy I get to watch this game with my dad. That That's my main take. This is going to be an awesome game. My dad and I are going to have a great time. And and who knows? I mean, you know, a part of me wants to say that Philly almost kind of owns Dallas. But Dallas is undefeated at home. And Philly's 5-1 and one away. This is just two titans clashing right here. And uh, honestly, any of these teams could still win the division. So it's it's still big for the Cowboys to go out and try to win this game. And I, I just can't be more excited for it. I, I I am so fucking excited for this game. I definitely am as well. It is going to be one hell of a game. We'll be recording during the game, uh, just so you're aware. <laughs> uh, no, I'm watching it with my dad. <laughs> well, maybe you'll just have to skip. You can skip the podcast if you'd like. No, I'm, I'm not gonna skip no podcast. You, you, you really mid episode? You can skip the podcast. Col- Colin's already skipping, so anybody else can skip if they'd like. Fucking Colin. <laughs> this guy's going to play a fucking disc golf tournament at night. Bro, fuck if I can disc-, disc golf at nighttime? Yeah, it's a glow round, I believe. I'm not getting into it. Well Um Listen, Colin Colin, you're in the public eye now, so no more punching trees, alright? You're gonna piss off the green people. Like the Green Party, is that? Yeah, the yeah the Green Party. Okay, it'd be that. Was it you that punched a tree, or was that Colin? Uh, it was me. Got a fucked up knuckle. Damn it! All right, me. Colin, I'm sorry. You're off the hook. Grayson, don't punch trees anymore. Yeah, I can do all whatever the fuck I want. Um. <laughs> yeah, look, this game is gonna be awesome. I don't, I have nothing else to say. I don't need to do a deep dive into the players or the teams. It's gonna be an awesome game. I'm going with the Cowboys. The Cowboys are ridiculous at home. Dak is ridiculous at home. So, uh, give me the Cowboys uh, 28, Eagles 24. Could you see a blowout either way one of these teams in this game? There's a chance um, by either team, honestly. Uh, I just, I don't, I don't, not only do I not see it happening, I don't want it to happen. Yeah, I don't want it to happen either. Um, I'm going to go, yeah, fuck it. I'm going Dallas. I'm going to go 34-28 Dallas over Philly. Okay. Well, we've got yep. two Monday night games this week. Titans-Dolphins, which is a fucking stinker, and uh, and Packers-Giants as well. Let's talk about Titans-Dolphins. The Dolphins are going to wipe the floor with the Titans. Yeah, th- this is going to be a bad game. Um. I, I, what else is there to say? We we can, you know how how's Tyree Kill gonna do? Okay, we all know what's gonna fucking happen. Okay, yeah. Tyree Kill's gonna at least like eighty yards and a touchdown at least. I, I, like Tennessee's got nobody to guard him. I I don't think Tennessee has anybody. They're not gonna be prepared for this air raid. Is what I'm about. Is what I'm trying to say. I, I think. Um, the, the Dolphins are going to get up. They're, they're going to score quick, and it's going to be bad fast yeah, in this game. I agree. Uh, I think yep. the Dolphins are going to beat the brakes off of them. Look, the Titans are just simply not good. They don't win on the road at all. <laughs> they're 0-6 on the road. <laughs> uh, the Dolphins Literally. haven't lost at home 
And they're going to beat the brakes off of the Titans. Um, especially if Will Levis is throwing picks uh, and chasing them down. Like, okay, first of all, yeah. I respect it. I respect him doing that. You don't that see was a it crazy a lot. play. You don't see it a lot where a guy no. throws a pick, or like throws a ball up in the air and chases it to go stop the guy from running it back. Cool. It shouldn't be a problem that you have. <laughs> you shouldn't have to go yeah. do that. Um, exactly. Um, I, I wanted to highlight something, though, that I think could play in Tennessee's favor. And they haven't been able to do this all year long. Like, I mean, there's only a one-game sample size. Well, I guess technically the sample size would be the full season, but they've only done this one game. Um, Eric Henry, 21 carries, 102 yards, two touchdowns. This is last week against the Colts. And then Tajay Spears, 16 carries for 75 yards. If you can do that and Will Levis can throw more than one touchdown and be a little bit more accurate, you may have yourself a game. And you also got to protect him too because he did get sacked six times last week. But is that going to happen? Probably not. Probably not. But, you know, if you're the Titans, that's how you keep that offense off the field is by using Derrick Henry and Tajay Spears. So, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. And on, on the Dolphins side, um, I mean, they're, they're just perfect. They're, their two running backs are so underrated and they complement this air raid offense so well. Yeah. So well. And, you know, to speak to the air raid offense, both of them are receiving threats as well. So Miami's really just got it all going for them. They don't even need a good defense. You just got to score quick and just demoralize the yeah. other team. And I think that's kind of what's going to happen against Tennessee. Um, I'm going to go like 28 to 6 Dolphins. I'm going to go Dolphins 35, Titans 14. That's that's how I'm I feeling can. right now. Uh, go ahead and throw in um, Jalen Ramsey interception. You would say that. <laughs> Go Knowles. Uh, <laughs> all right. Packers, Giants. Uh, is it going to be good? I think this is a sneakily good game. Yeah. Like, there's something to talk about with Jordan Love. A little less to talk about with Tommy DeVito, but still something to talk about. He's had some some decent showings. Uh, yeah, I mean, they've won two in a row in yeah. New York. Do I trust them to keep winning? No. Not at all, uh, considering their last two wins are over the Commanders, who are just a, a a shell of themselves from the first four games of the season, and then the Patriots, yep. who, uh, yeah, it's self-explanatory for the Patriots. But, yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I'm pretty confident the Packers win this game. I am too, but, you know, to speak on the Giants' side a little bit, Jalen Hyatt. Yeah, he looks good. Finally got involved against the Patriots. Five receptions, 109, no touchdowns, but still. Um, kind of kind of surprised with their offensive struggles. They didn't try to work him in just a little bit earlier. But, I mean, hey, sooner is rather than later for him. Yeah. Um, and, and it looks like he honestly could be like a staple in this team. You know, contrary to what people were saying, maybe like after the first, I, I don't know, like six weeks. I mean, he was pretty much a non-factor in this offense all season long. Um, and it's, it's awesome to see him play well because he was a highly touted rookie and, uh, especially against the Patriots, this offense really needed him. He was probably the best player on the yeah. team. Yeah, he probably I would was. Say. Um, 
score prediction for uh, for Packers Giants. What are you thinking? Uh 20 2014 Packers. Okay. I'm going to go 24 to 6 Packers. I think this is going to be a down week for the Giants. Um, Reminder, if you have a Cardinal or a Commander on your fantasy team, uh, you should probably go pick somebody up because they're on a bye. I was really hoping you wouldn't catch that Logan Thomas was on a bye uh, since we're playing each other. Uh, But you seem to have uh, replaced him. 11-2 and doesn't forget about that. Eh, 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 Whatever. Well, actually, I did did one time. I fucked up with uh, Monroe one week, I will say. Yeah um still one all right well that's that's nfl week 14 anything else to uh talk about before we get into our top five second baseman um oh i guess we could thursday, thursday night thursday football night. yeah forgot oh it's a pretty I, yeah. forgettable matchup i don't think you can i don't want to fucking talk about this game <laughs> okay uh mitch trubisky oh man versus bailey zappy Matchup of a century, T.J. Watt versus Bill Belichick, according to the Thursday Night Football graphic last week uh, on the game. Yeah, this sucks. Um, The line, I think, is under 30. I'm I'm pretty sure. That's not good. Uh, Yeah, over under 30 and a half uh, to match Jaguars-Browns as well. Uh, they're tied as the under. lines of the week. Yeah, Patriots Steelers easy under thirty and a half. I don't think you could do anything else. Um, maybe like Najee has a good game. Maybe Zeke has a good game. Um, that's it. That's that's all. I I'm just I'm still fuming after that Cardinals game. That was brutal. Yeah. Shout out James Conner. Shout out James Conner. But that game was brutal. Fuck George Pickens for not scoring a touchdown. Lost me a lot of money. <laughs> Dude, he's not going to re-sign with the Steelers. No, there's, 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 he's not coming back. Um, Yeah, no, I I, uh, I hated our performance last week. It was uh, absolute dog shit. Um, Kenny's out for a couple weeks, and we're down to money, Mitch. I honestly wish it was Mason Rudolph. Um, it is Christmas season. I, I, he's on to something, guys. He's on to something, but... Um, yeah, Mitchell Trubisky, what we've seen of him this year has been like total shit. I, last season, he had a couple bright spots. I'll give it to him. This season needs to be Mason Rudolph. I I, I don't know why Mitchell Trubisky kind of just replaced him so easily. I mean, we almost went a full season with Mason Rudolph as the starting quarterback when Ben, you know, blew out his elbow and his throwing arm. I, I was, you know, very surprised even last season to see Mitchell Trubisky getting more playing time than Rudolph. But, um. Yeah, it's going to be Money Mitch versus uh versus Bailey Zappi, and it's going to be a field goal and a safety. Three to two Steelers. <laughs> I think if anybody gets a safety, it'd be you guys. Uh, it might be 5-0. And with how we played last week, I, I have no idea. I mean, we should have beat the Cardinals. Should we beat the Patriots? Maybe. Who knows? I, I'm challenging my team right now. I, I, I am challenging my team. I think it's going to be 10-7. Steelers. Who? Steelers. Okay. Um I'm gonna go thirteen to three Steelers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was interesting. Um let's get into the MLB list though. Top five I'm second excited basemen about this. in twenty twenty three. 
Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, we we uh, I fixed the stipulation. It's no longer 83 games. It's 81 games. Still no Mookie bets uh, in case anybody wanted to try that. Anybody being you, because I knew the rule as well. Um, yeah, no Mookie bets. Only played 70 games at second base. Um, and they weren't even full games. Doesn't even really count. So, must play 81 games at second base. Who's number five? Um, I got Ha uh, Song Kim. Okay. Of the Padres at number five. Uh, NL Gold Glove for utility players. Impressive. Uh, 110 OPS plus. Also impressive. 40 extra base hits and 38 steals. He was just a weapon defensively and offensively for this Padres team. And honestly, with, with the if you just look at their the Padres roster, if I told you that Ha Sung Kim was going to be probably the best player on m- maybe even both sides of the baseball for them, yeah, would you have believed me? Absolutely not. <laughs> but um, yeah, shout out Ha Sung Kim. He's my number five. All right, my number five is Bryson Stott of the Philadelphia Phillies. I think he had one hell of a year, considering you know he played 127 games last year uh, in 2022, and just wasn't quite what we expected considering how highly touted he was coming out of the minors this season totally different um he played 151 games and he batted 280 he had 31 stolen bases i believe um yeah 31 stolen bases 62 rbis isn't like fantastic or anything but he had 164 hits 32 doubles 15 homers. He was just genuinely fantastic this year, and I was pretty happy to see it, you know, outside of when they played the Braves. Um, he was just a great player. He went on a couple of pretty good streaks. I think he had a 20-game hitting streak uh, at one point. So, shout-out Bryson Stott. He had one hell of a year. All right, I like that. He did not make my list. Gotcha. All right, who's your number four? Um Number four, this is where I put Luis Arias, which, you know, we were talking about it pre-recording. This is going to be a little bit um, controversial, probably. Uh, you know, batting God, uh, this stat's ridiculous. Ball in play 88.2% of the time. Yeah. That's kind of stupid. Um, it's almost he also bad. joined. <laughs> That's almost not good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he also joined DJ LeMahieu as the only player to win a batting title in both the AL and the NL. Yep. So that's very impressive there. Yeah, two consecutive seasons. And uh, that was actually my last stat was that it was two consecutive seasons. So shout out Luis Arias. You know, maybe not the best defensively, but the the batting alone, man, is just, you know, you got to give him his flowers. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, My number four is Haas Young Kim uh, right here. He was fantastic. One of the best players. Honestly, when you look at, Production on each side, one of the best players in the league this year. I know he didn't have some crazy batting average or hitting statistics, but he was great. Like, definitely not bad, considering the second base position isn't the best when it comes to hitting. Like, there's a reason a lot of the guys on this list aren't going to be 300-plus hitters and hitting 40 home runs and all that. A lot of these guys are here for their defense. Like, Haseon Kim was 14th in MVP voting for the National League. I know that sounds stupid because 14th is so far down the list. That's a big deal. Like, that's that's a game changer. And He had votes. Exactly. And, like, he won a gold glove. 
<laughs> and, and he was great. Like I, I you know, I could have put Nico Horner here because he played great defense, but I think Hasyung Kim's um ability to play all over the field, but pretty much stick at second base for the most part made him so valuable this season for them. All right, and then uh yeah, I like that. Um my number three is a very short take. Um, Jose Altuve. The only thing that I wrote down for him was the postseason and end of regular season was just some of the best baseball I've ever seen. Fair enough. I, I mean, you want to talk about putting a team on your back as you know one of the leaders, as one of the legends of that team. And I just I love the way that he stepped up. And I mean, why 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 would you think of anything else to happen? Honestly. Um, yeah, and Jose Altuve, I, I know we're just talking about 2023, but he's he's always been there. He he is a extremely consistent, just all-star caliber player. He's amazing. Yeah. So he made my number three on this list. He's great. Didn't make my list uh, at all. But this guy you already brought up, Luis Arias. Maybe three is too high. Maybe he should be four. I don't know. I think he was three. Just look, it's... It's almost impossible to bat 354 in the MLB nowadays. And, and like how you were talking about balls in play, a shitload, and the fact that he was a silver slugger. He was eighth in NL MVP. He was an all-star this season. The guy went into the all-star game batting about 400. That's insane. Only one, like I think one yeah. other person has done that before. It was Ted Williams. Like That's the kind of company he was with. Halfway through the season. Second half of the season fell off a cliff. Like, bad. But you get 200 hits in one season, I'm I'm going to give you some, some respect, and he gets in at three on my list. I like that. And then I, I assume we're going to have the same one and two. But um, my number two is Ozzy Albies. Um what what a player, man. And if he was on any other team, we'd be talking about him a lot more. But, you know, the Braves were just so loaded with just amazing stats this year that Ozzy kind of just fell, you know, behind them all. As, yeah. you know, Matt Olson and Acuna being the guys that I'm talking about. But third in double plays turned. I really like that stat. And a career high in home runs and RBIs. He was absolutely amazing. Um, and, and, you know, I like what you brought up is usually your second baseman aren't the best hitters. But Ozzy Albies was one of the best in the league. So, um, yeah, magical season for th- for him. Um, just wish they could have done a little bit more in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Uh, but, yeah, look, hitting-wise, it's almost impossible to go out and find a hitter like this at second base. A guy that's going to go out there, he played 148 games. He hit, you know, uh, he had 167 hits. 109 RBIs, 33 homers. You don't see a lot at second base. Plus a 280 batting average and an 849 OPS, the second best of his entire career and the best OPS plus of his career, 124. This was not only his best season so far in the league, but something definitely to build on. He kept the average at one of his highest of his career while hitting the most home runs of his career and the most RBIs of his career. That That is where it looks to me that Ozzie Albies was one of the best second basemen in the league, and in my eyes, the best second baseman in the National League. 
Well said. Yeah, I agree with everything that you just said there. And my number one, Marcus Simeon, Mister <laughs> Mister MVP. <laughs> well, almost yeah. MVP. Yeah, Marcus Simeon. Um, yeah. Well, a, a very far third a place. Yeah, <laughs> finalist. That's that's a better word. Um, finished second in hits and RBIs, first in total bases, first in war at 4.7, which is just ridiculous. Um, 97th percentile with 11 outs above average. Pretty sick. Yep. Below career averages in whiff rate and chase rate. So, yeah, he just had a career season to uh, remember. And, I mean, honestly, the fact that he, he was a cool finalist to have, obviously not going to win it. But, I mean, it, it was cool to see, like, him get national recognition from the league for it. Um, he was absolutely fantastic, and he was a big reason why the Rangers were so good this season. Yeah, look, this guy loves coming third in the MVP voting. The three times he's been in the top 25 in MVP voting, he's coming third. Uh, that being 2019, wow. 2021, and 2023. This, just like the rest of his seasons, really, this guy's an Iron Man. He does not miss a game, and that is huge. When you see a guy that leads the, you know, tied for the league lead, of course, he played 162 games. Somebody else obviously did. I think Matt Olson did. Um, he played every single game. He uh, had the league lead in plate appearances, league lead in at-bats, the league lead in, um, or not the league league, but the uh, American League lead in runs and hits. That's just a straight-up contributor. He batted 276. He, you know, for what it's worth, struck out 110 times, one of his lowest in the last three years. Um, and considering he had more plate appearances this season than he has at all in his career, that is fantastic. The guy's genuinely been one of the best second baseman slash shortstop all over the place, kind of. But... um at second base since he was in Toronto in 2021, and he's been one of the best, continues to be, and he's obviously number one this season considering their run in the playoffs. Dude, that that's that's ridiculous. Like, putting that into perspective, like, how long a baseball season is, back-to-back games, traveling, you know, maybe getting dinged up one game, th- that's just insane that some guys can even play it the entire season. I mean, that's ridiculous. And especially like an infield position, you know, he's diving. He, he's out there having a glove, ground balls. It's That's incredible. <laughs> yep. Well, that's the list. That was uh, a pretty easy to list uh, to go through. So when I heard you put Luis Arias at four, I made a look at the camera. And so the people watching on YouTube will notice this. I thought you were going to put Glaver Torres at three. And I was concerned. Why? I don't know. <laughs> why would I do that? I don't know. Is it why would I yeah. why would I do any of that? <laughs> yeah, there's no telling, man. Um uh shout out Glaber Torres. I, thought you were I had a lot to. of shout outs so. I was gonna have to lose my mind if you did. <laughs> um luckily you didn't. Oh man. And we, we preserved our friendship uh one more episode. <laughs> <laughs> Well, just wait until I uh, I bring up what else I got to say. All right. Well, um, that's kind of the end of the MLB segment. Anything else you want to talk about in the MLB uh, before we move on? 
Uh, are we doing third baseman or shortstops next? Uh, it's up to you. I, I don't. I don't care. All right, we'll we'll do shortstops. Okay, let's do shortstops. Shortstops, it is. That's all, all right. right. Tune in next week. Uh, we're not going to do it. On, we're not going to do it on Monday's episode. Just keep things linear. Um, so it'll be on next Friday for shortstops. But for now, let's talk about what's going on this weekend. A little bit of Premier League soccer. It's been going on throughout the week, but there's actually a few more good games, mainly two, this weekend that are pretty big. And um, let's start off with Aston Villa versus Arsenal. Aston Villa is soaring up the table. They just beat Manchester City to move Man City into fourth place. Man City, in their last four, have gone draw, 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 loss. Mm. Wow. I love it. I love it. And I will say, <laughs> it's against fellow top half of the table teams. So I yeah. guess you could give them the leeway there. But they should be winning. For sure. Oh, yeah. 100%. And now um, Villa finds themselves two points ahead of Man City in third place. Yeah, holding holding Manchester City to a a, a nil. A nil result. Yeah. Two why, shots. Hang on, why did I just get so blue? It's from your computer screen. Did my camera get bluer? No, it's from your computer screen. Oh, yeah. but um, That's interesting. Yeah, Aston Villa, what? 22 shots. Man City, two shots in that match. Um, <laughs> ridiculous. It's the most a Pep Guardiola team in his managerial career has been outshot in a match. I, I mean... You know, just kind of looking at the lineup that uh, Manchester City fielded, I, I get, you know, you had Rodri suspended. Kevin De Bruyne's still out. You had Grealish suspended. What the fuck are Like, I get it. You're a genius and all. And I'm, I mean, like, look at me. I I don't know as much as Pep Guardiola knows. But Akanji and John Stones as your holding midfielders with Five other defense. No wonder you're only going to get two fucking shots. I don't care how good Holland is. Why? Why are you not playing to your own strengths? Yeah. If you're Manchester City in this game, at least throw out Kovacic. Give yourself a chance to have some sort of like attacking offense here. And you know, if you line up sorry lineups like this, especially against teams like Aston Villa, this season especially, they're going to take advantage of you. Yeah, and you're gonna lose one nil. I, I mean, like I, this lineup just seriously baffles me. Yeah, Re- uh, I mean, I'm really confused. <laughs> I don't know why Rico Lewis just stays in this lineup right now. That's that's another. I one don't too. get it. He simply has not been good. He's not good enough yet to be starting for this team. And there's better options sitting on the bench at all times. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, like, I can't even imagine what half these guys, like, especially Calvin Phillips, thinks with Rodri out of the lineup right now, injured. How the fuck is he not starting? How is Calvin Phillips not starting? Yeah, I don't know. It makes no sense to me. Um, Yeah, like, they just, they have to play... 10 times more attacking minded it, when they field something like this and 
it just ends up creating this divide in the midfield that just allowed Aston Villa to just continue creating chances out of the midfield. Yeah, you can have five defenders. That's all good. They're all going to play back, and it forces your midfield to play up to create attacking opportunities. And so Rico Lewis, Julian Alvarez are naturally going to go up the field. Obviously, Holland's at the front. Foden and Silver are sitting here trying to feed Holland as much as they can. But you're simply screwing yourself over if John Stones and Manuel Akanji are the guys feeding the balls into the midfield. Yeah. It makes no sense. And I, mean, I know John Stones it, exactly. played defensive midfield last week great. Or not last week, last year. He played it great. And I know we're kind of going in depth on Man City and we don't need to. But John Stones is fine. Manuel Akanji simply shouldn't be playing center defensive mid. And I understand what the tactic is. He is essentially Akanji is the third center back in a five center or a five back formation. Uh, Vardial plays left wing back. Walker plays right wing back. Stones moves more central and can replace Walker. I know you can't see my hands, but Stones moves from here to here, and that allows Walker to go up here, and I know it's backwards on the camera. Whatever. You get what I'm saying. Walker <laughs> moves up the field. Stones drops back into his position. I get how the tactic works, but you're fucking over your attack when you do it. Yep. Because, look, yep. Ju Julian Alvarez, first of all, is not naturally an attacking midfielder. He's a striker. I think we all know that. He can't just stand backwards, wait for a pass, turn around and look for another pass upfield. That's just not what he's good at. And Rico Lewis is simply too young and inexperienced to be able to win games against a team like Aston Villa, who simply just covers the field in physical players and just runs down your throat. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, you know, contrary to what most people think, there is another team to this. We are, you know, Arsenal as well. <laughs> that was pretty in-depth in Manchester City, I mean, but they deserve it. I mean, that's a fucking stupid lineup. I mean, it's very, very dumb. Um, And on the Arsenal side, you know, they're coming off of an interesting game, too, against Luton Town. Um, they almost got them. Three to four. And it was a, I think Luton a, Town. an injury time winner. Um. <clears throat> To win that game? Yeah, an injury time winner uh, by Declan Rice in the 90th plus seven. Yeah, shout out Declan Rice. Um Yeah, I mean, look, I, I gotta as as embarrassing as it is for Arsenal to give up three to Luton Town, you gotta give them props that, you know, this is what Arsenal's offense can look like at its peak. Yeah. Is they they are this good and they this can win games in clutch uh, situations. One hundred percent. This is their best oh, lineup yeah. right now. Um you know, maybe oh, Kiwar, yeah. not in the back line. You'd probably rather have Zinchenko at left back. That's kind of just, you know, up to whatever. But when you're looking at the center back pairing, you're looking at the midfield and the attacking, this is how they want to line up, and that's how you score four goals. On the other end, David Raya is fucking abysmal right now. They need mm. to put Ramsdale back in this lineup. I know there's been all this talk and whatever, Aaron Ramsdale at least needs to be given his fair chance. Yeah, no, you're you're exactly right. And I'm just going to chalk this one up to, you know, on top of Arsenal's, you know, shaky result against Luton Town, uh, Mikel Arteta is out for this game. 
uh, coming up. He won't be on the touchline because uh, he is suspended. Um, and I just think it's the perfect storm for Aston Villa to catch yet another, you know, top team off guard again. I'm actually going to go, I'm going to go 2 0 Villa. Okay. 2 uh, 1. 2 1. 2 yeah, 1. Two, I was, two, I was I'll about bump to the brace. It's a stretch to say that Arsenal won't score a goal. Um, it just seems like they can't be stopped from scoring goals right now. Um, I definitely think the defense was questionable. If Raya is going to be the keeper next, you know, in this match, Aston Villa is going to score for sure. Um, I, man, it's tough. I, I think I'm still going to stick with Arsenal. Actually, no. 2 2 draw. 2 2 draw. Yep. 2 2 draw. I feel like we don't, we don't predict draws enough. Uh, at the top of the table. So I'm going with a draw. And um, let's talk about your team a little bit. I kind of just put this game in here um, so that I could hear you rant about Chelsea. Um, so here's the floor, Everton versus Chelsea. I can um, rant about Everton if you'd like because they just beat us 3-0 minutes uh, before we started this podcast, and I'm fuming about it still. Yeah, it's, you know... It just back to the inconsistencies, man. You you have Enzo Fernandez, who has a magical performance against Brighton, comes into Manchester and just shits the bed. That I mean, it's it's been the whole season. Mark Kirkorea is playing right back against United. Levi Cowell's the left back, and and Nicholas Jackson's still the striker. Oh wait, wait, mmm, that trick against Tottenham. Fuck Nicholas Jackson. Fuck Nicholas Jackson. I, I'm I'm done. I, I'm done. Raheem Sterling should not be the best player on our team. Correct. And and that's just kind of how it's been. And I hate to say it, you're starting to see age with Thiago Silva just a little bit. I, he's still a starting center back, and he needs to be. But I, I'm kind of noticing it. Um. I, yeah. I, it, it's. I don't think Chelsea suck. In everything that I said, I don't think Chelsea suck. It's just we we just sometimes can't have a good game. Yeah. Uh, and I know that kind of sounds funny, but, uh, yeah, there's no reason that Raheem Sterling and Cole Palmer should be our two best attacking players. I mean, we spent $80 million on Mikel Mudrick to just sprint fast. I, that's really it. Did get an assist. I, I'm not, you know, completely writing him off. I just – Chelsea needs something now, and Mikel Mudrick is not now. Correct. I think he needs to if that makes that sense. alone. Uh, personally. Yeah, uh, loan would be good. Um, and then my last bit is just Nicholas Jackson absolutely has to be replaced. Uh, and that was kind of, that was a little bit aggressive how I went after him a couple seconds ago. He just doesn't need to be our striker. I, I like him and I like his game. He just can't finish. Yeah, I think at the moment, go out, get somebody experienced that can simply just score goals. Nicholas Jackson, I think, is a work in progress. I think he's the kind of guy that, should be coming off the bench in the 77th minute rather than Armando Broja and can bring life into this squad, can go up against tired defenders in the back line, use his pace, use his ability to score goals late in the game. He can play that role. He can't play 90 minutes. They, they, it just simply doesn't work. He can't play 90 minutes, and he can't play well for 60. Yeah, it's exactly it's crazy. Um, and then with the Armando Broja should be our striker. Yeah, I agree. Going forward, 
And like, why did Reese James not start this game? I don't know. That one I have no idea. weird to me. Um, I know he's been getting pretty banged up even since he returned from injury. How are you feeling about the defense right now? It seems to be in a weird spot. And, like, fucking Levi Colwell was captaining this squad at, at 20 against Manchester United. What What's the deal with that? No, just give it to Thiago Silva. That, I don't that, get there couldn't be a more obvious player. I don't get it. I, I don't know either, man. I You know what? I, I get I, – I do truly get Connor Gallagher being our captain, and yeah. I like him as our captain. But if he's – if he's not going to play, it's Thiago Silva. Yeah. 100% of the time. Uh, maybe, you know, it honestly could be at his request. It, it honestly, I would even go as far as to say it could be an English thing. Yeah. Like, he, he may not have, like, the best English still. That could be another reason as well. But there's no... I respect it, you know, Chelsea giving it to a young guy, an academy player. But... Not Levi Cowell. I mean, if it's not Thiago Silva, give it to Raheem Sterling. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I, I think, to me, the guys that are the most deserving, obviously, neither of them played in this match, or I guess Reese James ended up coming in, but um, I think it's Reese James should be the captain. Um, yes. Or Connor Gallagher. End of story. And if neither of them are available, just give it to Thiago Silva. The guy fucking deserves it. He's been just stomped on for the last couple of years with all this bullshit yep. going on with Chelsea. And he just continues to be at the receiving end of it. But exactly. Everton actually looks kind of good after this points deduction. Obviously they got stunned by Gardacho's goal a couple of weeks ago that killed them right off the bat. But you get the one, no win at Everton or not at Everton at Nottingham forest. That kind of frees you up a little bit. And then uh, they just score three goals late against Newcastle and uh, and fuck us, essentially. Okay, I got to talk about Newcastle now. I know we're about to talk to them about them for the next oh, match. Oh, go ahead. Kieran Trippier played so fucking inconsistent in this second half. It was ridiculous. He has literally been one of my favorite players for this team since I started watching. But in this game, he simply could not figure out the positioning. And I think that also goes to Eddie Howe in this game and how he managed this game. Off the fucking bat, literally, I think not even 20 minutes into the match, he flips Anthony Gordon and Miguel Almiron. They switch sides of the field. Why? Couldn't fucking tell you. Literally, all that happened right before that was that Miguel Almiron got a ball on his right in the box and he should have just like, he should have touched it to his outside to finish on the right. Ends up, bad touch, kind of kicks it with his left foot, just kind of rolls over it right into the hands of Jordan Pickford. They don't get a goal. And then immediately they're switched on the next stoppage of play. Yeah. I don't understand why they did it, but it didn't help Anthony Gordon, who every single time he got the ball got booed because, obviously, Everton youth product uh, and all that. He just wasn't going to play good in this match. I knew Anthony Gordon was not going to have a match in this, or like a good match here. But I don't understand why they flipped him. And I, I really just don't, I just cannot stand Jamal LaSalle's in the back line. I know Sven Botman's out. I know LaSalle's is our next best option. 
I can't stand him. Um, it sucks that Nick Pope went down because Dubrovka just simply is not as good. Um, Nick Pope has been stellar all year. Um, and the fact that we let the first goal that they scored in the 79th, the fact that that one happened sucks. First of all, I was, you know, at a certain point, I was just cool with a, a nil-nil draw. They score that goal, and we still have no life. And then, Kieran Trippier is getting marked one-on-one. He has Lascelles to his left to pass to. Instead, tries to pass it to Lewis Miley in the midfield. It gets stopped by the Everton player, immediately crossed into the box. They score a goal. We go down 2-0 for fucking no reason. And I will say for Everton, they played so well. They kept the ball on our half the entire game, which was phenomenal on their end. They were firing off shots for this entire game. It was honestly impressive. Um, They had 21 shots, six shots on target. Obviously, (laughs) Dominic Calvert-Lewin could have finished a volley, but he's not the best at the moment. Uh, just came back from injury as well. But, yeah, I'm just – I'm so disappointed in how Newcastle played this week. I think part of it goes to Eddie Howe. Part of it just goes to the individual players on the field. But, um, like, Bruno Gimaraish was getting beat up all game. It seemed like all game standing backwards to receive the pass and immediately passing back into the back line. Couldn't get anything going through him. Joe Ellington was putting his fucking life on the line. I'll give him that. That man was going out there – catching everything from every defender on Everton and just drawing fouls, which go to him. And Lewis Miley looks competent on the field for a 17-year-old. I'm happy with how he's playing. <laughs> I'll say that. He, he he plays well for his age. Yeah, I'd certainly love for Sandro Tonali to be in this lineup. He's not. And I think what's hurting Bruno Guimaraes is how attacking – Miley and Joelinton like to play because they like to get up and almost overlap the wingers, and it leaves Gimaraish to receive these passes from the back line and have to make a really deep pass either far wide to a player or way too far up the field to where it doesn't make sense, and that's hurting them as well. But back to the match, Everton-Chelsea. I want to say Chelsea could win. I think Everton just has this pressure off their shoulders after the 10-point deduction, getting two wins now out of the way. Like, they genuinely look good. Yeah. Um, I didn't even realize that they had both Seamus Coleman and Ashley Young still in their lineup, too. Well, Those Seamus Coleman two, like, Premier League just legends. returned to the lineup. He's been out for months. This is, I think, his first appearance of the season. Um, oh, wow. He's, like, 35. Ashley Young... Should not even have been in this lineup, but uh, somebody I believe went down. Uh, who uh, Onana? I think they have a midfielder named Onana. Yeah, Amadou Onana and Andre Gomez both out of that one, and Deli Ali. So missing three players in the midfield. Uh, left them with uh, Ashley Young at uh, shit thirty-eight. I think. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's yeah, getting up there. 38 years old. Shout yeah. out Ashley Young. It depends on where you're looking, what the formation looks like uh, for them. They didn't quite line up like this uh, that I'm seeing, at least. Um, 
but whatever. Uh, I'm seeing a four four one. Four four one one. Okay, yeah, that is how they line up because the one that I'm seeing is a four two three one, and that's simply not accurate. Uh so how they work. Also, uh Idrisa uh Gay is so fucking dirty. That man tackles hard as fuck, and he got away with four or like three in a row before he got a yellow in this game. Yeah, that's a he's a tough center mid. He actually, I think, just came from uh, PSG recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's good though. He just uh, misses the ball a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah. Score prediction for this match. I realistically one-one tie. Yeah, I'm gonna. Man, I don't know. I'm not confident in how Chelsea's been lining up. I'm going to go Everton 1-0. Three, three matches in a row for Everton. Three wins. All right. All right. It's my turn. Spurs new... Oh, I, I guess I just kind of did take my turn <laughs> talking about Everton. But uh, Spurs versus Newcastle. This one's huge uh, considering we didn't get any points today. Um you know, looking at the table, a win would have put us two points ahead of Tottenham and Man United, put us in fifth place. Instead, um, despite our 15-goal differential, um, we're still sitting in seventh. But um, this is a huge one for sure. And the issue right now, everybody is hurt. Literally everybody is hurt. Sven Botman. I think is still going to be out for this one. Sean Longstaff's still out. Nick Pope might be out until like almost the end of the season. Uh, he got his shoulder <clears throat> fucked up midweek. Um, or sorry, not midweek, but in the game on, uh, I think, Sunday. Um, Matt Target's out. Joe Willick's still out. Jacob Murphy's still out. Harvey Barnes is still out. Dan Byrne is still out. And Callum Wilson is out. I feel like Chelsea right now. Um, and Sandro Tonali's making a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, Sandro Tonali's probably like winning a blackjack hand right now. Um, but for Tottenham, they have injuries as well at the moment. Um, luckily, Hoingman's son um, is uh, there. <laughs> is that? I think that's I mean, he, get, he gets to wear the armband. That's about it. Yeah, but <laughs> look, simply put, Tottenham has fucking sucked recently. They've, they're coming off a yeah, loss I, to West Ham, a draw with Man City, which was impressive. Lost to Villa, lost to Wolves, lost to Chelsea. They look like hot garbage right now. Um, I think they're actually they might have just wrapped up a match. Um, so they okay, yeah, they're now. Um, since I hadn't uh, updated anything, uh, yeah, they uh, they lost to West Ham today, two one. They suck. That's been awful for them. Yeah. It's been awful for them. And how about, you know, West Ham, how they lined up against Spurs. Uh, Kudus was the striker, and Paqueta was winger. I like that. In this game. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. And, you know, it's kind of weird to me that they ran, a, like, a different lineup against one of the better teams in the Premier League. Of course, they're cold right now, but still, it is Tottenham. And they were still able to win, you know, kind of comfortably, I thought. 2-1 against Tottenham. It was a good result. Um yeah, I, I, I really I don't know what it is for Tottenham other than injuries and, you know, even bigger, just not having James Madison around. Yeah. Um, it 
kills this attacking, you know, sector of the team. They, Kyungmin Sun can't really do anything at striker anymore. Um, honestly, at this point, they might be better off letting him play wing again. Yeah, Who I knows? Agree. I mean, just switch it up. Um, but yeah, Tottenham, absolutely hot, hot garbage. And the Newcastle coming off of a very brutal result. Um, and I mean, you already kind of gave them the rundown. Uh, Bruno Guimaraes being back is still a good sign for them. Uh, like you said earlier, Louis, uh, Louis Miley, uh, 17 years old, looks like a pretty bright spot in this center mid. Um, you know, it looks like a bright spot for Newcastle, especially with how many center mid troubles they've had this season with Tanale and, you know, Guimaraes being hurt earlier. Um, it's good to see him step up. And yeah, I mean, we're, I'm going to ask you about Nick Pope and uh, the questions, but. I mean, y'all are still loaded. Um, Dubraka is still a really good goalie. Um, you know, he, he's been around the block a couple times. Um, and I like the new signing Livermento at left back. So I, I don't think it's all over for Newcastle, but this yeah. result must feel like absolute dog shit. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. Like, I, I think right now with, with how they're playing, you know, obviously we had, you know, a heartbreaking draw. Uh, with PSG in the Champions League a few weeks ago, or I guess last week. Um, and then you get the 1-0 win over Manchester United over the weekend, which was great. I was so excited uh, to see that result, um, you know, considering Manchester United's a little beat up, there, but they were coming off of some decent performances prior. Um, and it, we just kind of shut them down played our game but that's when Nick Pope goes down and it just kind of threw everything into a whirl then because like we were we still are I, I know we just gave up three goals we still are one of the best defenses in the entire league the problem is when the defense doesn't hold up when one player goes down like, Sven Botman went down. Jamal LaSalle's has had good games. Not as good as Sven Botman would be playing, but LaSalle's has played well. Nick Pope goes down. Dubrovka plays well. It's the players that stay in the lineup and don't play well that are pissing me off. Karen Trippier trying to do just too much on the defensive side and on the offensive <laughs> side to try and make up for these guys we're missing around the lineup. Just play your game. Like, literally, just play your game. If you need a pass back, fucking pass back. Don't make bad decisions just because you're looking for some last-minute move up the field and get the winner. Because all he did in our game today was put us further out of position to win that game or even draw it. He genuinely just played horrible. So, look, he's fantastic at set pieces. He is fantastic at making attacking runs, making incisive passes up the field. Do that. But remember that the time will come to make those passes and to, to you know, kick a corner and to take a free kick. Let them come to you. Don't make it like an effort to draw a foul because he did that a couple of times too. And it was like he was just putting us in bad positions multiple times down the right. And like he shouldn't be getting dominated like that. But when you put Anthony Gordon and Lewis Miley on the same side with Trippier, I almost think he feels the need to take over because of young, inexperienced guys. 
maybe that hurt him as well. But overall, I, ju- I simply need my captain, or who should be my captain. Lascelles is the captain right now. But Kieran Trippier needs to be playing better. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you could all honestly say the same for Almiron, too. I, I mean, for different reasons, but he's been another um, kind of inconsistent player that consistently starts, if that makes sense, in Newcastle's yeah. lineup, for sure. Yeah, I think we just simply um, don't have the depth up top um, to be taking him out. Like, I think if Jacob Murphy was healthy right now, he could easily be starting over Almiron. And I think if Harvey Barnes was healthy right now, he could be starting over Almiron. Yeah, that's fair. Um I'm going to give a score prediction in this one. Uh, I'm going to go Newcastle 1, Tottenham nil. I think Tottenham are going to keep slipping. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I'm going to go Newcastle 2, Tottenham nil. All, All right. right. Awesome. Well, um, other matches, though, this weekend uh, we've got – see if it will load. There we go. Crystal Palace versus Liverpool, Brighton versus Burnley, Man United, Bournemouth, Sheffield United, Brentford. Wolves, Nottingham Forest, obviously Villa, Arsenal, Everton, Chelsea, Fulham, West Ham, Luton, Man City, Spurs, Newcastle, and then um, it flips over to the next week. Anything else to talk about in the prep before we move on to the Champions League? No, I think we can we can skip right along. All right, well, I've got plenty to talk about here for the Champions League portion. I'm going to go ahead and hop into it. It's the final week of qualification for the knockout stages in the Champions League, and I want to run through every scenario. So there's four spots still up for grabs in the knockout stages. You have Group A, second place, Group C, second place, Group F, second place, Group H, second place. There are some teams that could drop out of first into second, whatever. Those are the spots that are genuinely open, and... um. I've got a bunch of the scenarios. Some of them might be wrong because all I did was look at the groups and decide them myself. Um, <laughs> so I'm pretty sure I did them right uh, based on like goal differentials and all that because I know they don't do like away goals and stuff anymore um, for deciding mm-hmm. factors. So um, I looked into the goal differentials and stuff. I think I've got it all right. So for Group A's scenarios... Both matches that are being played are in play. Man United versus Bayern and Copenhagen versus Galatasaray are important. So, no matter what, Bayern has first place. They've got 13 points. Copenhagen, Galatasaray sit at 5, Man United at 4. But a Manchester United win and a Copenhagen and Galatasaray draw will leave Man United in second place. Um, As long as Man United wins by, I believe, 1. Um... It might be two. I don't know what they do if they have the same goal differential. <laughs> That's my problem. Okay, well, actually, no matter what, they would go up because they would they would lead in points. But a Manchester United yeah. draw, Copenhagen, Galatasaray draw, Copenhagen will advance on goal differential uh, as the second-place team. And then if Manchester United draws or loses and Copenhagen or Galatasaray wins, that winning team would obviously take second place over Manchester United. That's the uh, that's your options. I guess uh, I guess there's also one for if Manchester United draw and Copenhagen or and Galatasaray wins, then Galatasaray would obviously uh, take second place. Yeah, no, I um, 
Yeah, Group A is definitely one of the more interesting ones. So I, I'm excited to see how it'll play out. I, I know I keep saying it, but I am heavily pulling for Galatasaray. It, it, the time is now for them. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really feel like uh, writing out the one scenario for Group B to change uh, because, uh, yeah, Lens needs to win by uh six goals or no five goals over Sevilla uh to take over PSV's spot um and PSV would have to imagine lose, uh would have to lose to uh to drop out or no I think PSV so it shows that PSV already has the spot despite the fact that Lens is only three points behind them You're writing them off yeah kind of <laughs> crazy um Whatever. That can happen. Also, Sevilla could play themselves into a, a Europa League spot, which wouldn't surprise me. Um, that's where they like to be. Uh, but then again, they've played abysmal, so they, they might find themselves in fourth place and playing for nothing. Um, all right, Group C. There is one scenario. Napoli versus Braga is the important match because Union Berlin and Real Madrid simply don't matter. Um Napoli win or draw, Napoli gets second place. If Braga wins by three or more, Braga will take second place. Yeah, I'm pulling for Braga, man. I, all the underdogs. All the underdogs. <laughs> you tell me you don't want to see Kavishka, Kavrashalia, and Victor Ossiman in the knockout stages again? Bless you. Thank you. <laughs> he sneezed. <laughs> Sorry, man. I've been playing a lot of FIFA. I just like name-dropping players now. Yeah, I, I remember last year, I, I still don't want to know how to say the name, but I remember you didn't know how to say it either, so I, I like your growth. Yeah, I more used him in my team for a little bit on Ultimate Team, um, so I got used to them saying it. Yeah. Nice. All right, Group D. There's one scenario. Um, and what's funny is that Rail Sociedad and Enter – I've already clinched the spots, but it's up to who gets first and second. So this one, straight up, winner takes first place. Um, and if it draws, it'll go to Real Sociedad on goal differential. All right. So uh, that's how that one sits. And then Group E, one game in play, Atletico Madrid versus Lazio. Um, winner takes first place, draw goes to Atletico Um simply on points. Atletico Madrid, 11 points. Lazio, 10. Um, and then Feyenoord, locked in for the Europa League. Celtic, locked in to go back to Scotland. <laughs> oh, negative 11 nice. goal differential. Wow. That's bad. Alright, Group F. I got a little bit, so just buckle up. Um, Alright, both games in play. Dortmund versus PSG and Newcastle versus AC Milan. So, first off, if Dortmund wins, Newcastle or Milan win. Dortmund takes first, Newcastle or Milan would take second. If Dortmund and PSG draw, Newcastle has to win by two for Dortmund to be first, Newcastle to be second, and PSG to drop to third. If PSG wins by two and PSG is first, Dortmund would be second. PSG wins by one, Dortmund's first, PSG is second. There's also one way that Milan could pass PSG uh, if PSG draws. Um, if 
PSG draws and Milan beats Newcastle by six goals. Uh, <laughs> they would get second place. Doable. I don't think so, personally. <laughs> Especially, I think it's at St. James Park, uh, if I'm recalling correctly. Cause yeah, because you already had the welcome yeah, home party. Yeah, yeah. For tonight. Well, <laughs> not going to be able to. Uh, nobody's going to be watching <laughs> in this one. Uh, all right. Yeah. Uh, group G has no scenarios. Uh, nothing can change. Uh, unless, I guess, if Red, <laughs> if Red Star wins. Uh, against Man City uh, and Young Boys loses to Leipzig. Um, then Red Star could get a, a Europa League spot, but that's the only thing that can change. Uh, and then Group H, um, both games in play, Barcelona versus Antwerp and Porto versus Shakhtar. Uh, if Barcelona wins, Porto wins or draws, Barcelona will be first, Porto will be second. If Barcelona loses, Porto wins by less than two, um, or wait, hold on. Yeah, so if Porto wins by less than two, or <laughs> Shakhtar wins by, I think six, uh, something like that. Um, Barcelona would be first, whichever one would be second, and then if Barcelona loses, Porto wins by more than two. Porto would be first, and Barcelona would be second. That's all your scenarios. Thank you. Yeah, no, I <laughs> thank you for breaking it down. Of course. I would, Once that, again, that must have been all of those hard. could be wrong. Um, but yeah, it took me about thirty minutes uh, to write all that. Yeah, yeah, I, I can imagine. Um, uh, it's setting up for an you know pretty important, entertaining match day six though. I'm I'm pumped yeah. for it, man. There's yeah. a there's a lot of things, but just really really Group A. <laughs> really just group A. Yeah, Manchester United <laughs> and Bayern um, play each other on Tuesday in Manchester, and then Copenhagen Galatasaray in Copenhagen, and then Napoli Braga as well on that day, uh, and Inter versus Real Sociedad, which will be an interesting one as well since they're tied on points. Both have clinched the knockout stage, but seeding could be a factor. And then um, the big games on Wednesday – um, Atletico Madrid, Lazio, uh, a big one. And then, of course, the Group F matchups and then um, those Group H matchups, which could definitely shake up uh, who's first, who's second, all that. So, yeah, that's that's kind of everything for the Champions League. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to the knockout stages. It's a whole lot easier to cover the knockout stages um, than trying to cover the group stages because there's just so much going on. Um, <laughs> with the group stages, so we'll kind of tighten up what we're talking about here uh, when it comes to those knockout stages, which I believe get drawn on the 18th. Yes, they get drawn on the 18th, so um, we'll actually, yeah, we'll know uh, all of the matchups for Friday's episode, not this next Friday, but the Friday after, um, which is cool. Yeah, all- um... Right. I don't know, it, it was fun covering the group stage with you, man. Yeah. First time ever doing it. Yeah, it was extremely fun. Um, you know, I didn't I didn't watch as many matches in the group stages as I wanted to. I watched a couple of Newcastle matches, of course. Um, but otherwise, I didn't really catch a whole lot of matches. Just because I don't 
really feel like pulling up Paramount Plus. <laughs> uh, yeah. If that means anything. Honestly. Yeah. But um, yeah, that was all the scenarios for next week's Champions League matches. Luke, I think we uh, we've done a fantastic job of budgeting our time this week. Why don't we treat ourselves to a little question? Just three. Hey, three of them. Why don't we do it? It is six totally questions time. Luke, who's starting? I keep letting you choose. Uh, well, I mean, we have each other's webcam now. Can we play rock paper scissors? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. All right. Rock. Okay. Well, we need to talk. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're right. Okay. I I'll take the lead. Yeah, count me off. All right. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh. I won that one. Are we going two out of three or no? Nah, just take okay, it. That was a little up. bit stressful. I got it. Yeah, that was, that was tough. Uh, we'll, we'll get a wheel set up soon. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Since we just talked about soccer, I'll save the soccer one. All right. You got one, Soto. What's the next move for the Yankees? Um... Definitely working towards Yamamoto. Um, yeah, that that's honestly really the only thing I can think of is uh, working towards him. Um, I wouldn't be saying this if Carlos Rodon actually showed up, but um, it's it's just so up in the air for him, man. Like, yeah. you know, he he does well in the minor leagues rehabbing, and he gets to the MLB, and it, you know, first game okay. Second game, uh, it's a little bit frustrating, and then, but it just persisted the entire rest of the season, which I don't think anybody expected. You know, maybe expect him to struggle first two or three games, but the rest of the season was brutal. And I, I feel like the really Carlos Rodon's play alone is is going to be the reason why we need to push for Yamamoto even more. Okay, yeah. I so for me, as a fan personally, even you know, I know. It is highly likely that he doesn't sign with the Yankees, but for me personally, that's that's what I think the next step is. Okay, fair enough. Yep. What you got for me? Uh, who's going to win the NFC South? Hopefully the Falcons. <laughs> I, I genuinely think yeah. they can. I think um, we're starting to figure out what we can and can't, more what we should and shouldn't do on offense. What we shouldn't do is – have Desmond Ritter throw the ball more than 20 times. What we should do is put the ball in Bijan's hands, get Kyle Pitts the ball when Desmond's throwing, and don't give the ball to Cordero Patterson. Unfortunately. No, you're not a fan of the Joker? No. Not at all, actually. Why not? Considering we what have happened? Tyler Algier and Bijan Robinson, who are both so far better than Cordero Patterson at running the ball. I, you know, for me, I, I've actually liked to see him out on the field for the Falcons the past couple of weeks. It, it you know, it's, it's it may not change. be the best, but like, it, it's different. I don't think it changes much for them. Yeah, I mean that's fair. Too many chefs in the kitchen. Yes, agreed. Um, so yeah, I hope I hope they win. I think they'll win. Um, if anybody else is going to win, it'll be the Saints, and, and they'll get bounced quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, big time. Um, all right, let's go back to soccer. I actually no, I want to save my soccer question for last because it's it's very good and I'm interested to hear your answer. Uh, how do you feel about Jason Kelsey saying that the tush push should be banned 
because he's tired of having the conversation. That's the only reason he wants it banned. That's what he said. He said if everybody like he, he said at this point, I don't care. Get rid of it. I'm tired of being asked about it. I'm tired about. I'm tired of having the conversation. I I don't really like that answer, honestly. I, I mean, like, well, I guess if he's getting bombarded with it, you know, it can get annoying. Um, are, are you asking my opinion on what Jason Kelsey said, or my opinion on the play kind of in general? Both. Like, do you think it needs to go? And what what Kelsey also added was that inevitably. With that good of an offensive line, they're going to find a way to essentially just do something similar that just is a, a loophole. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I don't think it should be taken out. I, I, I genuinely think that eventually, eventually, defenses are going to start. They're, they're going, they're going to have to, right? I mean, they're, they're NFL guys on the other side. What, what play is ever a one hundred percenter? It's not. And, and I mean, but it's crazy because you have guys like uh, I saw Marlon Humphrey in a podcast talk about the push, uh, the tush push. Um, obviously, you know, Ravens cornerback for those who don't know. And, you know, that's a good defense. And even he was saying, like, do it every play. Like, why not? Because it's not even just like a short yard situation play anymore. They can get like three to four sometimes. If you do that three times, it's a first down. Worst yeah. case scenario, it's like fourth and two, and you still can do it. Yeah, the problem is, is that when you do it every single time, teams are going to understand, okay, let's say they do it on this first down. Why'd they do it on this first down? That's something. But when it comes down to it's fourth and one, it's third and one, it's third and goal, fourth and goal, it's pretty fucking obvious why they're doing it. So don't yeah. I think um, I think the best thing the Eagles can do is not leave it up for interpretation. Yeah. Exactly. But uh, I'm right there with you. Um I don't have a problem. I don't know. Jason with Kelsey personally. No, I, I don't either. Yeah. I, I don't at all. Um it's a cool play and it's cool to see I, I just I like it when teams play to their strength. Yeah. And it pays off. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what they're doing. Um, but Jason Kelsey, lighten up, man. Come on, no, I don't care. I, I we want to know. When it comes to Kelsey, it's like, look, he's getting so much fucking attention over this past year. You know, the podcast, yep. and his brother is now dating Taylor Swift. Um, he's on one of the best teams in football. He's his wife's know, gotten really popular recently yeah, too. His wife. Yeah, it's gotten his wife popular. a lot. Uh, obviously, he had the documentary, which aided to what you just said. Um, yeah, you know, everything's kind of coming up his way, but that brings a shitload of attention. It brings a shitload of questioning, and you know he's always been a star in Philly, but um, you know in in like in NFL fan circles, people know him. Now he's a household name, in you know all over the place that comes along a huge audience that, you know, I'm sure there's some fucking new Heights fans from Buffalo that hate the tush push. And they're going to fucking question him every single day about it. And it's probably going to get on his nerves and he's probably most tired of the media because now everything he does is there for the media. Yep. 
So I think that kind of aids he's, to why he's tired of it. And he's not like his brother at all. I, no. I feel like Travis, no. and, and this isn't a dig of Travis at all. Travis, you know, he comes off as a super, super great guy. But Travis likes the attention a lot more than Jason does. That's I think that's very obvious. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, I, that was a that was a good analysis of the Kelsey family. Thank I think I, I I enjoyed that. Yeah. All right. Your um, push. Yeah, you forced me into soccer here, and I wanted to. I wanted my soccer one to be the last one, but okay. Um. So you talked a lot about Nick Pope, right? I've been seeing a lot that Newcastle are you know nearing a deal to bring David De Gea. Yeah. To the tune I've squad. heard two names. For two, the other one being Aaron Ramsey. What's okay? Well, yeah, I guess I'll make it a two-parter then. David De Gea or Aaron Ramsdale, and do you even want to do this at all? Well, considering the Nick Pope's going to be out till probably April, yes, one hundred percent. Especially if it's De Gea, because De Gea we could just kind of sign through the rest of the season. He's a free agent. He's been working out. I don't have a problem with that at all. Still world-class in my eyes. Um, yeah, clean sheet leader last yeah, season. Won the Golden Gloves last year. Um, when it comes down to it, no matter what, we need depth at the position. If Pope's going to be out, we need to just filter somebody back in. De Gea could come in immediately and start. Same goes for Ramsdale. With Ramsdale, though, he's a young guy. He's probably looking to have a future there. I don't think we can supply yeah. that to him considering Nick Pope's status with that team. That's fair. So David De Gea, come to St. James. Yeah, no, I, I I, just want to see David De Gea play again. Me too. I mean, that's really it. Yeah. And jealous it'd be for your team too. That'd be so sick. I, I think, like, he would come in and have, like, an immediate impact. Like, it would be one of those where – you know, Manchester United would be sitting there watching his highlights and not Onana's because there aren't any. <laughs> so, low lights, for um, sure. Well, definitely a lot of low lights. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. I, I think you're really going to enjoy this soccer question. I So, I all was right. inspired by, the, at halftime of the Newcastle match today, they showed something about Joe Cole. And I was like, all right, cool. And he started talking about, the 2006 Premier League winning Chelsea team. Now, I went and looked at the players on this fucking team. Is this one of the best teams ever, at least on paper, 2006? Um, I, I've got the whole squad written down, plus some of the reserves. If you'd like yeah, help me out. I don't okay. remember a lot of them. So, Jose Mourinho, manager, okay? Yep. Petr Cech in goal. William Galas at right back. Ricardo Carvalho and John Terry at center back. John Terry, 26 years old, captain of the team. You had uh, Alcir Del Horno or Del Horno at left back. Center defensive mid, you had Claude Makalele. Center mid pairing was Michael Essien and Frank Lampard. And your front three was Joe Cole on the left, Arian Robin on the right, and Didier Drogba at striker. And on the bench, you had... Hernan Crespo, a young Sean Wright Phillips, and Paolo Ferreira. Yeah. That is one fucking hell of a team sheet to have. It it is, but like does that does that team even compare to like 
20 like 2009 2010 barcelona okay well then let's say um, in england is it one of the best teams ever oh 100% i agree england, when i yeah. when i said best teams ever i was thinking like yeah what about some of those treble winning barcelona teams what about you know some of those yeah. old real madrid sides what about bayern munich a few times um yeah but i think in english history this one's got to be up there oh 100 percent. yeah yeah no i'm right there with you but i mean even in saying that though the man city team of recently you know on paper and on yeah. the field they're cracked as well yeah i think um you know last year's man city team has you know a bid for that yeah oh yeah for sure <laughs> hundred percent for sure. Um, yeah, I just that was a good when question. I saw that I like I went and looked at that team and I was like, holy shit! Like the names all over that team is crazy. Yeah, and they gave up like no goals that season. Oh yeah, that defense was rock solid, and this was before they yes. even got Ashley Cole. Yeah, he came in. Yeah, he was. Year. He probably was still at Arsenal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he came in from Arsenal the next year. Michael Ballack came in the next year. Um few guys came into that squad the next year and they were runners up yeah wild oh the glory days man you didn't have to take me back there <laughs> dude you were like i mean i was only four yeah, years I old say, but you were you were mad young you don't that was that. that was before the premier league made it to america yeah <laughs> it was on it was. our even our tv yeah uh all right you ready for my mlb question i sure am Last question here. Um, I, I saw an interview with Cashman uh, today, obviously Yankees GM, talking about um, you know the Soto signing and everything. He wouldn't talk about payroll. Why is that? Uh, because he doesn't want the fans to know that they're probably going to get into the luxury tax, lose their first round pick. Is that is that why? Probably. Um. Considering well, I you guess guys that answers have my question. No farm system um, to speak for. You probably want to have some good draft picks considering the team hasn't played well. Um, so, here, let's go look at what the Yankees' payroll is right now. Ashman deleted it. That would be very funny. <laughs> you, can't, you can't find it anymore. Let's see. So, <laughs> as of right now, uh, okay, so they. Some guys have to go through arbitration, so it's not quite correct. Um, but if we're estimating, uh, let's see. Yeah, it's looking pretty high. And you guys are still paying Aaron Hicks and Josh Donaldson. <laughs> uh, it's looking like your projected total payroll, according to uh, Spot Track, is two hundred and seventy million. Weren't um, the Mets were over that last year, weren't they? I believe so. Uh, you would be forty million dollars, just or thirty million dollars, give or take, over the competitive balance tax threshold. Which would mean you would lose your first round pick. That's interesting that the MLB does that. Yep. That that's a rule that I'm not really familiar with. Uh it's it's just because they got pressured into it uh in some of the recent CBAs. 
Uh, same thing. Would that be uh, like Moneyball shit? Uh, kinda. Kinda. Yeah. To to an extent, yeah. it's like just to make sure it, the NBA does it too. Uh, the luxury tax. They don't do it quite as as you know much as like taking away a first round pick. Um, yeah. You, you end up you know getting hurt in some way. Um, you know when you if you have too high of a payroll, but then like the NFL just has a salary cap and you simply can't go over the salary cap. Okay. Um, gotcha. Yeah. That's probably part of it. Um, another part of it is that he doesn't want people to figure out what they're going to pay Soto. Um, and I guess right now, because Soto is pending arbitration, um, they can't really talk about what they want to pay him. Because it'll give them a competitive disadvantage in arbitration. Okay. Uh, same goes for like um, Glaber, Verdugo. I think they're all uh, pending arbitration as well. Mm. So your power gotcha. is really up in the air, but like they're projecting Juan Soto uh, at the moment uh, to be making twenty-seven million. I think he'll be making a little bit more than that, probably thirty million. Because um, I think he's eyeing an extension. Um, I mean, with the Yankees, don't you kind of have to add, like, you have player worth, and then you add the fact that he yeah. plays for the Yankees? Yeah, you add <laughs> Yankees worth. Um, yeah. Which is a big deal. But considering Juan Soto got such a huge, huge amount of money, um, he went up to $23 million, um last year. I, yeah, I don't know what he's you know his money's gonna look like but um in two seasons really one and a half one and a quarter uh with san diego he already made 29 million so he's probably looking at 30 million a year considering he's gonna be like one of the best left fielders in the league yeah so yeah that was uh that was talking front office numbers and money uh with grayson uh, the Yankees are the easiest one to talk about because they spend so fucking much of it. Because, um, like, you've got Judge, Garrett Cole, Stanton, Rodon, Don, all over $20 million, and Anthony Rizzo, and Juan Soto will be. Anthony fucking Rizzo. Yeah, that's a fucking miss there. That's tough. Yeah, I don't really know what he did last season. Not much. I think he had one very good game. And he like accredited Taylor Swift as his walk-up song to it. I think I oh, remember God. that being a storyline that we talked about. Uh, but I think we are nearing the end of this episode. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, we just, just went through realized. questions time. That typically is our last segment. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> Um, so I think you all know what that means. You've reached the end of this episode, but before I talk about all the sharing and the liking and the subscribing, I just want to thank you guys for listening because we've gotten a few new listeners, actually quite a few new listeners. Um, episode Welcome. 107 from a week ago is doing great on the podcast platforms and then 108 is doing great on the YouTube and on the podcast platform. So happy to see you guys tuning in. So happy to see new faces around here. Um, so 
if you're new. And if you're old and you still haven't done it, make sure you like, subscribe, comment, and turn on notifications on YouTube. And if you're on a podcast platform like Apple or Spotify, follow us, rate us five stars, leave a review. And you can go to any of these social medias here. You can find the link to the rest of them. And uh, you can follow us on all of those. I want the subreddit to start moving. Been talking to some people. They said they're going to start putting some questions in there that they want to hear us talk about. And soon enough, that'll replace questions time. We won't write our own questions. We'll just get our questions from Reddit. Because I'll admit, it's hard to continue to come up with questions. (laughs) You see the hands, man. I'm right there with you. (laughs) Yeah, And it also means that if we're shouting you out, probably going to, you know, possibly give you a mod on the on the reddit i don't know know. we'll see we'll see but for now (laughs) once again thank you guys for listening shout out whoever is listening in champagne illinois shout out to fighting illini got a bunch of listeners in champagne illinois so um we'll catch you guys later and actually me and luke will both be here on monday's episode a double header from luke triple oh yeah be here next friday too Oh, true. Yeah. And I'm on my 109 header, about to make it a 110 header on Monday. So um, we'll catch you guys later. Come back on Monday. See ya. Peace. Peace.